Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 167 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Click and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We are continuing our Dynasty and Prospect Ranking Series today with the first base position. And with me to break it all down is my 80 grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, bud? Oh, not much, but as you're listening to this now, we just hope that everyone had a Awesome holiday, Christmas, you know, everyone listening. Hope you've had a good time with family. And we're recording this before Christmas Day. So yeah, I know it's coming out after, but we we do want to wish you happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. And special thanks to all the listeners. We appreciate you. So we approach the new year. It's exciting. I think 2023 is going to be our best year. Every year has been a little better. And yep. so we're very much looking forward to that and always looking forward to talking some dynasty so here we are, Dynasty First Base. It's uh it's an interesting position. I like the top a good bit, and then it gets kind of dicey down a little bit, but there are some fun prospects on the way. And yeah, we're gonna gonna break it all down for you. Now, Chris, were you on the naughty list or the nice list this year? Well, I hope the nice, but you know, <laughs> once you have a kid, it becomes about them, so you don't really get as many gifts. The parents yep. are giving all the, the gifts to the grandkid now. So, right. Yeah. The, you, you get forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> very quickly. Yup. A hundred percent. Now, yeah. is your, is Hayden at the age where he can like, he starts, he like knows a little bit of like what's going on. See at that age yet? Yeah. He is. And he's, you know, it's, he's all into it. He found some gifts. You know, he's trying to get in the gifts that are, are wrapped. And he, he, <laughs> he, we had actually been, hiding the gifts that before they were wrapped in this room where where we where i record it's just really just the podcast room that's it and uh he had come in here one day and found some of his toys and was upset that he couldn't have them so <laughs> hopefully he'll he'll be happy you know when he when he opens them on christmas <laughs> right you know it's fun that age is like they almost have the same demeanor as like a puppy it's like yeah. puppies oh, oh look at that new you know rope i want to get to that oh i can't have it mm-hmm. you know clawing at it yeah it's it's a fun age but yeah, hope everyone had a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you you celebrate. Hope it was great for you. Always fun, you know, being a parent. You know, I almost enjoy, you know, obviously when you're a kid, Christmas is great, right? But I almost enjoy it more as a parent now to seeing the, the joy on my kids' faces when they open presents. And yeah. obviously we, we haven't had Christmas yet. We're recording this before Christmas. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I, I'm, I'm in the room where my tree is and I've been slowly adding more and more gifts as they, as they come from amazon and my kids are trying to get into their stockings i'm like nope look <laughs> at that but yeah always fun and yes this position is you know it is it's still fun maybe it's not quite as sexy as it used to be or doesn't have quite as much intrigue as first as a catcher excuse me which we just recorded and that was our last episode if you missed that go back and check that out that was a lot of fun but still a very good position and we will break it all down but before we do the usual housekeeping you can find us on Twitter 
Crystal at Roto Clegg. I'm Eric Cross 04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please write and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us and our YouTube channel for plenty of fun video. And of course, check out all the other great stuff that Fantrax and Fantrax HQ have to offer. 2023 Best Ball Leagues are already open, and we have plenty of great content on HQ for whatever fantasy sports you are into. All right, similar setup to the catcher episode here. We will go through some prospects before the break and get an overall dynasty picture after the break. So let's start with our top 10 first base prospect rankings. Chris, take it away. All right, so my top 10 is Kyle Manzardo, Tristan Casas, Tyler Soderstrom, Matt Mervis, Christian Encarnacion Strand, Blaze Jordan, Tyler Locklear, Michael Tolia, Davison De Los Santos, and John Kenzie Noel rounding it out. So you you might notice that this position, especially when we get to the eleven through twenty part, really thins out and you know in a hurry. But you know, one thing I, I mentioned in my first base prospects article too is, you know, this is I feel like this is not like on, you know. This is not like something that doesn't happen a lot because a lot of the times these players move over to first later on, you know. So it's like, you know, guys move up from third to first or quarter outfield to first, something like that. So that's, I think that's like, I think for then Freddie Freeman wasn't he like a third baseman for a bit? <laughs> they they played him at third when they had Matt Adams. They were trying to make both bats work. But did, yeah. but did he come up to the minors as, as partially a third baseman or something was drafted as third base? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like a lot of guys move over there later on. So yeah, this list sucks now, but you'll probably get, you know, some guys that are like third baseman now that move over or so on and so forth. So, but still, yeah, it's, it, it thins out her in a hurry. But my top 10, Kyle Manzardo, Tristan Cassis, Matt Mervis, Tyler Soderstrom, Christian Encarnacion Strand, Blaze Jordan, Davison De Los Santos, Young Kenzie Noel, Michael Talia, and Nico Cavadas there. So right at the top with Kyle Manzardo. I mean, I kind of wrote in my pros- first base prospect rankings article on Fantrax HQ. Like, if you missed out on the Vinny P crave of you know the last couple of years and you want to rectify that, then you know Manzardo is giving you that opportunity. I don't think he's quite you know Vinny P. Overall, very similar profile. I think he could be pretty close to Vinny P in the long run. He just, man, absolutely raked last year, hitting for average power. The approach is there. You know, there's a lot of similarities there between him and Vinny P. So, yeah, he's a guy. I know you have him top 10. I have him, I think, 15 overall. He is legit. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, he makes elite contact. I think you can argue a seven on the bat. Like, it's just that good. Yep. And... I don't know. I think people have questioned like what kind of power we'll get to, but he gets to the power pretty easily. It's like kind of effortless power. And I've seen him go when they were here, when he was in high A, when they were in Greenville. I mean, he went to dead center of floor field, which is 420. And it was just an easy, easy home run. And I think when you look at the overall profile of Manzardo, it's easy to get like really excited because you're right. Like it does have that resemblance of, the Vinny P zone contact, like low chase, like everything you want minus like the elite EVs, but that's okay because I do think he gets to enough power to still be a, a really solid bat because like even Freddie Freeman doesn't have elite EVs right? and he still makes that profile work. No first baseman sexy because they don't, most don't steal much, but at the end of the day, like, what Kyle Manzardo brings to the table is, I think, just elite bat to ball and really good power, like 20, 25 home run pop. And he's one that you might can expect a 300 average for, you know, every few seasons. Like, and that's just how good the bat to ball skills are. The plate recognition, like he's an OBP monster. He's going to walk a ton. So, yeah, what Kyle brings to the table is pretty unique and special from a first base only type profile that. You know, usually we don't value as highly, but I do because of of what he does and what I've seen. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, there's no platoon risk here, even against lefties. And he you know, he is a lefty. He still hit 265 with a 220 ISO against lefties. So, and that was in 78 player. So a small sample size, but 
you know, no platoon issues there, you know, very safe profile. Maybe the, that's maybe the difference is yeah, I think P- Pasquantino gets some more power, probably another five to eight home runs. I think he can get up near 30, low 30s. And yeah, Manzaro's probably like, you know, low to mid 20s. But so I think it's a very, very good four category profile. And you, pr- you probably see him with, you know, the Rays later on this year. You know, he got, he played 30 games in double A. I could see him starting at AAA and then being up mid-season, but it's the race. Who knows? You know, we, we never know with them with how they operate. But yeah, he is 100% legit. And you know, Tristan Cassis is not far off. I do prefer Manzardo at this point, but I don't think there's a big gap between the two long-term. You know, Cassis maybe isn't quite the pure hitter that Manzardo is, but he's still a pretty solid pure hitter himself with more raw power and, you know, better ballpark. Maybe a better look. I don't even know with, with how the Red Sox are going. We'll see what the lineup looks like around around Cassis. But you know, he's a 30 homer bat, even with the deep right field. And you know, I think if any buying opportunity arose from him struggling a bit in this debut, which you know, heaven forbid they struggle, you know, I'm still 100 percent as high on him now as I was 12 months ago. Yeah, so I agree. I think that just the power, everything in the profile, like I think the I mean, he's going to get every day at bats now, and I'm just really excited to see what he can do this year. So, yeah, I'm buying. I think, honestly, like, it seems like his value slipped a little bit, which is weird because, like, I've, in the prospect mocks we've done this offseason, like, he's dropped to, like, the late 20s, which I find to be a pretty good value. And I've scooped him up several times. Just I think that it's weird that it seems like a buy low in Dynasty, but it kind of is. Like, I'd be all in on getting him, I think. Where do you have him in your rankings overall? In my dynasty rankings, oh, no, Bob, sorry, prospects. I've got him twenty-one. I have him twenty-three. Yeah, so I think he's still top twenty-five prospect, four category potential stud. Yeah, I don't, I don't think this has changed my opinion on him. And you know, I get, I haven't forbid a rookie struggles a little bit. So I know, and and he had a nice home run off Garrett Cole. That was very. I think it was his first game at Yankee Stadium. He had an absolute tank job off Garrett Cole. So that that was fun to see. So. I think he's going to be a yeah, 30 homer guy, good average, good OBP, and hopefully get some good counting sets as well. So definitely buy low, if possible, in your dynasty leagues here. And after like those, I think those are easily, like that's tier one right here. And then after that, tier two is probably Mervis, Soderstrom. And you can probably put Strand, and Crescent Strand, and Jordan in that second tier, I think. And then it drops off a bit more, at least for me. And, you know, we already talked about Soderstrom a little bit in, at catcher, but I do think he ends up here long-term. But Matt Mervis, we've talked about ad nauseum as well, but he's one where I feel like I I'd under, even undervalued him with give, even given what he did and, and the hype and everything. I was, I was looking because I originally had Soderstrom over him, but I was looking, I'm like, hey, I like the profile just as much or maybe even a little bit more then Soderstrom and Mervis obviously is a year closer. So I moved Mervis up to three. I do think he's going to start for the Cubs. I think they're, you know, either at first or DH. I don't know. I think he'll at least get one of those spots. So I'm not like too worried about them bringing in another first person at this point. It's not really a lot of options left in the market either. But the one I want to really get into here is Christian Encarnacion Strand. Like I put out a tweet at, at this point when you're hearing this, it's about four days ago or so, whatever. But I think there's a good chance that he could be the number one first base prospect by this time next year. If you look at the defensive games played right now, he's played more at third, but all the options they have on the left side of the infield already in Cincinnati, I do think he ends up at first base long-term. And yet some swing and miss concern, not like massive. There are some, yes, he has to clean up that and a little bit you know, too high of a chase rate. But at the same time, it's pretty solid bat to ball skills in general. The power is definitely there. He's got that ballpark awaiting him. Like, I think he could be like Pete Alonzo lights, you know, long term. And I think that pushes him. Like, he's in like the 75 to 80 range for me right now. I'm probably going to push him up even a little bit more before I publish my next on site update. But I think he could be, you know, top 25 by this time next year. I, I love Incarnation Australia. He's like one of my top buys right now in Dynasty Leagues. Yeah, I mean, he hits the ball extremely hard. I mean, there's just no denying that. And 
I think the question is what kind of batting average do we get? The contact has been semi-questionable, though he's kind of made it work. And you just have to wonder if that can sustain. Right. I actually really like him in you know, in the Reds org. I mean, awesome ballpark. And that power can only play up, I think, in this ballpark for him. I mean, he hits a ton of fly balls. The home run to fly ball rate is going to be really high. He gets easy poolside power. I just have to wonder, like, looking you know, at the kind of contact that he makes, like, obviously he's not going to sustain these, you know, these 300 batting averages that we've seen. But I don't care. Like, I don't need him to, to to be of good value. As you mentioned, like, Pete Alonso doesn't hit for average, but yet he still has that kind of value because the power right. is just insane. I mean, so we saw last year he hit 32 home runs in the minors. Like, just absolute dominance, and he was even traded in the midst of that. So, I don't know. I, I think that he could really bump up a lot this year. And, you know, if, if people are concerned about him because age or whatever it may be, like, I'd buy in. Like, it just, it's, it's crazy to think that, like, he's as low as he is in some rankings. And maybe I'm even low. Like, I think you mentioned I'm in the 80s. Like, maybe that's even low looking at the profile yeah. and what he brings to the table. So, yeah, I'm going to move him up. I, I'm going to move him up a good amount. He, I think he's actually probably should be closer to 50 than 100 at this point. So, yeah, like you mentioned, you know, with the context skills, like, I think people look at the context skills as like the number itself. And I think that's a little misleading because even look at Aaron Judge, for instance, he had a, I think it was 69% contact rate overall, which, you know, you look at that and think, oh, that's not that great. But obviously with how freaking hard he hits the ball, you know, like it's different for, you know, 69% contact rate is different for Aaron Judge than it is for like CJ Abrams, for instance. So with how hard CES hits the ball, he can, he can make the, you know, you know, some the so-so questionable contact skills work and still hit even especially in that Babbitt boosted park, Great American Ballpark. I think he can still hit like 260 or so in, in that ballpark with 30 plus home runs. So I think he's Pete Alonzo light, and I think he's gonna take a huge jump up dynasty rankings this year. I love CES. Like I I think I I even have him too low right now. I have to adjust that a little bit here. After him, Blaze Jordan is pretty exciting too. You know, a little bit of issues there. I know you saw him live. I haven't had a chance to yet, but you know, he's a hard one to rank. Like, there's some positives. Like, we we know the raw power is there for for one, even though the game power kind of hasn't quite you know kind of shown up as much as we thought at this point. And you know, he hit for a solid average. You know, had some good things there, but. You know, you saw him, and I believe was it the high fast, or is it high? Was it high fastball or high velocity in general? Both issues. <laughs> both, yeah, both. Okay, so so that still is an issue. So, you know, where are you at on Jordan? I have him like he's a, he's hovering right around a hundred for me. I could see him moving up a good amount if he makes some adjustments to those issues in twenty twenty three, or I could see him taking a pretty sizable fall, probably you know, outside the top two hundred. But where where are you at on Blaze? Yeah, I mean, the power is undeniable. He's probably hit the longest home run that I've ever seen in my life. Like, I mean, and that's not an exaggeration when I tell you. Like, his first high home run, like, I was at the game, he hit two. And it, so there's the Green Monster replica in left field in Greenville. And there's apartment complexes behind it. And I don't know how many stories it is, but it's a, a pretty big building. And he hit it on the roof of the building. And Man, I just have to guess that it was over 500 feet. Like, you can find my video of it, but you can't even see where the ball lands just because it went <laughs> that far. The power's undeniable. I think he's an easy sell in Dynasty right now, just like his counterpart, Nico Cavadas, where high A, low A pitching was just horrific. And I know there are different situations because Cavadas was much older for the level. But when looking at Blaze, I mean... He's late on 93, like can't even put it in play so late. He's like hitting it foul, like just very late on it. And he obviously doesn't think so because when I wrote an article or wrote a scouting <laughs> report for Sox Prospects, he he found it and he quote tweeted it at like two in the morning. Like, I don't know what he was doing at two in the morning, searching his name on Twitter. Late, anyway, late, had Google in his name. <laughs> yeah. And he was basically said like, keep fueling the fire. But, and it's, you just call it like you see it, like, there was nothing bad other than he's late on fastballs and he, every one of his like majority of his home runs that I saw are all against hanging breakers. And 
basically this is this is what it comes down to with prospects. If you can't hit velocity or a high fastball and you chase breakers out of the zone all day long, then you're not going to make it. And I think Blaze is still young, so he has a chance to correct it. But I think there's more perceived value here than there really is right now. So I'm honestly looking to just put him out there if you have him and, and see what you can get. The profile could take off, like you said. There's there's characteristics in this profile that could lead him to a bit, pretty big rise. But I also think there are some concerning factors that could have him just bottom out. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think it's going to be a, a big year for his value, a very telling year one way or the other, especially since he probably gets to double-A maybe later in the season. So that is, that's always a great test, especially in the Eastern League, which is more of a pitcher-friendly league. So, yeah, I think it's going to be – I mean – I guess it depends on the price, obviously, because, you know, I think there's a wide range of kind of, you know, perceived value on him right now. Yeah. I've, seen, I've seen some where it's like a lot lower, some are a lot higher. So I guess it just depends on, you know, obviously your league. So I guess he, he could be a buy if it's low enough. He could be a sell. They still think he's like top 60 or something like that. But yeah, it's going to be very telling one way or the other. But I, I just moved CES above Soderstrom. I'm like, I don't know why I had him below. I like him more. So I, I just made that move, and he could move ahead of Mur- Mervis too. I moved in the fifty nine. So live, you know, that's that's what it's good to break it down like this. That's why I love the off season. We can break it down, you know, by team, by you know, by pro- by position. It really helps kind of paint a better picture than looking at a giant five hundred plus name spreadsheet. So definitely helpful for anybody looking to get into the you know rankings game. Break it down in as many ways as you can. That definitely helps. Help, helps you put things in perspective for sure. All right. Who next here for prospect rankings? You know, a lot of these, it's funny, a lot of these guys, actually, into our 11 through 20, because I think that's kind of where we're at here. Who's your 11 through 20, Chris? All right. Yeah, this is where it gets pretty dicey because there's just not a lot of, of names and it just kind of runs out. So, Let's see. We left off with John Kinsey Noel, correct? Yeah. So Ivan Melendez, Nico Cavadas, Malcolm Nunez, Reggie Crawford, which may be questionable. I don't, he DH'd. He may pitch some. Yeah, we'll see. Spencer Horwitz, Brian Betancourt, Xavier Isaac, Jake Holton, which is a name I recently really dug into with Detroit, I, who I found to like a little bit. Blaine Krim, and then Mason Martin. Like, that's just how bad it bottoms out <laughs> yeah i mean it's gotten pretty bad so my who was my 10 cavadas was my 10 so then i go ivan melendez lawrence butler tyler locklear leandro sedano who i really like he's a free agent right now i don't think he's caught on yet he was released by the diamondbacks but he put up really good numbers last year and even before that too so i don't know i still have him in there maybe too high on him who knows but hopefully someone picks him up and gives him a chance and then Xavier Isaac, Blaine Krim. And it's just like I, the rounding out, it goes Daniel, Daniel Montesino, who I liked to get a bit. He missed last year with, I believe it was Tommy John surgery. I'd have to double check. But I believe it was Tommy John. And then Malcolm Nunez, Andres Shaparo, and Spencer Horowitz. I don't know if that was 19 or 20. So another one, Anthony Garcia, who had an atrocious year and he moved way down my list. He hit under 200 with a 40 plus percent K rate in, in A ball. So. It just shows you how much this position bottoms out in a hurry. But you see, one that I kind of wanted to go back to was young Kenzie Noel. I think we both, we put out our Cleveland Guardians top 20, you know, a handful of days ago. That was one where I think we got a couple, you know, a little bit of pushback for, like, why are we so low on him? You know, I think best case scenario, we're looking at a Fran Reyes profile. I think it's very similar to that. And he's, he's a big dude, stocky profile. Got the, obviously the powers are like the, Power is unquestionable, but how much contact, contact does he get to if he can keep the K's in check? So it's just it's a risky profile. So he's still top 200 for me, but I think he's one where I think there's a better chance of his value going down than up from here. Yeah, it's possible. He hits the ball hard, much like Christian Encarnacion Strand, but he also chases a ton of pitches out of the zone. It's a, a major discouragement when that's just gonna gonna kill you. Like when you move up levels and you chase breakers out of the zone all day, that's that's all you're gonna get, unfortunately. So yeah, I mean, outside of hitting the ball extremely hard, like there's not a lot in the profile that just like gets me excited like it once did. Like 
you know, I was really high on him at one point. And then it's just kind of faded a bit since then. And that chase rate is going to scare me off. Just watch, And you can just watch him and you see he chases a lot of pitches. When he makes contact, it's really good. Like there's no denying the power in this profile, like you said. But those, you know, the batting average risk and the K risk, all this stuff are, are going to probably make him drop a bit long term. Yeah, I said there's some fun upside there if he can make enough contact and keep the K rate in check. But yeah, it's just it's a profile I've seen fail more often than it succeeds. So I tend to shy away from these guys, you know, especially ones that have this much chase in in the profile. It's just really, really risky. So it's not one I like to, you know, hitch my wagon to that often, so to speak. But we also got some, you know, just some fun FYPD names in here. Xavier Isaac who went first round, back end of the first round to Tampa Bay. You know, Tyler Locklear, who's, you know, more so third base, but could play some first base. And Ivan Melendez as well, who we both wrote as our Arizona breakout in the NL West. So a lot of fun FYPD names here, Chris. I guess if you had to pick one of these guys in your 11 through 20 that could be top five at this position next year, do you see any names that even come close to that? No. <laughs> maybe, I, I, maybe Melendez or, yeah, or Locklear. I mean, well, Those are probably the two. Well, I've got Locklear, well, Locklear seventh, so... All right. So um, but maybe Melendez. Melendez is good. yeah, Melendez is the one. I, I mean, just look at what he did in college and I think there's certainly that potential. He severely underperformed last year and it's a small sample, so I'm not gonna freak out about it. But yeah, right. I do like Melendez's profile. Like you know, across the board, I think he's got really solid skills and I think he I don't know, it's a weird that he went as late as he did in the draft, to be honest. Like that kind of profile. It's just the older first base, I guess, but yeah, he's got a lot of good, and I think for fantasy, he could make that jump. But other than that, there's nobody. Like after 11, it's a, just a massive drop off for me. Like, yeah, not I, I don't love hardly any of these. Like, <laughs> I think Cavadas probably fades a bit, and the rest of them are just meh. Yep, that's a good way to say it, and I think that's a good way to wrap up the prospect section of this episode. We'll take a quick break, come back on the other side, and get into some dynasty rankings. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindly at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. When you're craving church's three-piece classic, there's no other option. Two crispy legs, a thigh, and a warm honey butter biscuit are the only way. And that's why we call it a classic. Church's Texas Chicken. Tap the banner to find your nearest location. Offer valid at participating locations. All right, welcome back from the break. Over to the Dynasty side now. A lot more fun than it doesn't bottom off as hard as it does at the prospect level. Let's go with our top 10 dynasty rankings at first base. For me, that goes Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Pete Alonzo, Freddie Freeman, Vinny Pasquantino, Matt Olson, Paul Goldschmidt, Andrew Vaughn, Nathaniel, don't call me Nate Lowe, Jose Miranda, and Tristan Cassis. Chris, who are your top 10? Hey, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Pete Alonzo, Freddie Freeman. It's the same there, but then I go Olson, Goldschmidt, Vinny Pasquantino, Andrew Vaughn, Nathaniel Lowe, Kyle Manzardo, and then Jose Miranda. So, same top three, and I think you'll be hard-pressed to find a different top three. Maybe, maybe you could see Pete and Freddie flipped. I could see that, but I think that's that's tier one right there. And I think most everybody probably has Vlad Jr. first. Yeah, and something I'm, you know, I wrote up in my first base dynasty rankings article is, you know, obviously last year was, you know, maybe a little bit of a letdown. People were, you know, riding that high off his massive 2021 showing. And, you know, and last year was not bad by any stretch of the imagination. He still, 
was close to a 300 year, was just under an RBI, still had the elite quality of contact, but same time, kind of the, the gains we saw with hitting more fly balls, getting that launch angle up, he kind of reverted back to 20, you know, pre 2022 levels in that regard. Ground ball rate went back up over 50%, launch angle back down to 4.3 degrees and didn't have Dunedin and Buffalo, two minor league parks, to take assault on where he hit 21 home runs in 44 games. And But again, if the floor with him is what he did this year, 274, 32 home runs, 90, 97 RBI, 91 scored, I think you could pencil him in for 270-plus, 30-plus, and 180-plus combined runs in RBI. And hey, if he wants to keep running a little bit, have at it, buddy. I would love just to add, you know, five, six steals annually. He had eight this year. Who knows if that sticks? But I think given that floor and the upside that we saw, I don't think we're going to have another 2021, but I wouldn't be surprised if you got close to that. You get that ground ball right back down. You know, we could see another near 2021 performance. So, yeah, I think he's still, I think he's no doubt number one. I, I love Pete. Obviously, Freddie's great, but he's a little older. I think Vlad's like the no doubt number one right now. Yeah, I think the safety that you know you're getting, like you know you're going to get 30 to 40 home runs most likely, and you know you're going to get a solid average as well because the the contact skills are there. It's interestingly an, interesting enough that in 2022, he made much better contact than he did in 2021, except we saw the average you know drop pretty significantly. A lot of that probably has to do with the fact that he hit so many more home runs, so... 16 more hits right off the bat just when you look at home runs but i think that we'll see the batting average probably you know hit sit in that 280 plus range which is huge and you know get get a few less ground balls and i think we'll be all right so i don't have a ton of worries here i think it's probably just the expectation that you as an individual player have about guerrero and that's the only thing that could probably hurt you a bit is if you're just expecting too much and if you get the expectations in check, then I think you will be happy with the turns. Like, it'd be hard to be upset with what Vlad did this season in 2022. And in all in all, it was a disappointment, basically. But he's still yeah. really solid numbers. And like I said, that's probably his floor. Yeah. What, what we see, like I said, 270, 30, and 180 combined runs in RBIs is probably his floor. And that's pretty damn good. That's why, you know, you, you could probably, you know, I don't know who you say. Who do you think? Who do you think is more raw power, him or Pete Alonso? Mm. Pretty close, right? Like, yeah. No matter who, you, no matter who you pick, it's close either way. When you hit the ball as hard as they do, it's irrelevant. Like, you just, right? You know, no part can contain their power. Yeah, but you know, Pete has had you know a bit better you know time elevating more consistently. So you could probably say that he's maybe slightly safer for like you know projecting forty home runs, let's say, but. At the same time, Vladdy has the a bigger advantage in in batting average, and you know I don't think you know Pete Alonso will have a chance to hit like hundred, but Vladdy could. So that's why, yeah, I still go, and I don't think Pete's like way far off, but yeah, I still go, I still go Vladdy here, number one, and then you know no, no real questions there with two and three with Pete and Freddie. You know, Freddie obviously one of the most consistent players I've ever seen in my lifetime, so. Don't I don't care that he's 32 right now. I don't think he's going to fall off that hard at all. But then, then after those three, that's when it gets kind of fun, right? That's when some of the debates into play. Like you see, we already have a different order of see, seven and eight is the same, but then four, five, and six, we flipped around. I have Vinny, Matt, Paul. You got Matt, Paul, Vinny. So let's go with Olsen here with, with your Atlanta Braves. You know, overall, you look 34 home runs, 103 RBI, 86 runs scored. You know, still pretty damn good, but he did fall off pretty hard after the break. Before the break, 255, 340, 488. After the break, still had the same amount of home runs and actually less plate appearances, but only hit 219. And, you know, we've seen that batting average fluctuate a, you know, a good amount in his career. Like, just look at, the last four years, like 267, 195, 271, 240. So I assume since you have him at four, Chris, that you're not overly worried about the second half struggles in that batting average department from Matt Olson. 
Well, he finished the season so strong, and that's probably that help, yeah, yeah, probably flown under the radar. But in the last you know week and a half, let's see, last ten games, even I don't even know if that's ten games or not, but nine games, sorry. So not last nine games, he had six home runs. So he he really finished the season strong, and yeah, I mean players going heater, so you can discount that. Whatever you want to do, that's that's fine. But I think the fact is that Olsen is a pretty safe bet to give you 30, 35, maybe even close to 40 home runs as we've seen in the past. I mean, he hit 39 with Oakland in 2021. So I don't see why he can't do 40 in Atlanta. Yep. And yeah, the batting average did take a step back and that's not a surprise. I mean, 2021 was a massive outlier when we look at contact rates. Massive outlier. I mean, his, his zone contact was the highest. You know, it was up 10 percentage points from 2020, and it was up about six and a half from his career high before. And his overall contact was also up a decent bit from his previous career high. And those kind of returned to, to normal this year. I think Steamer's projection is pretty accurate. Looking at 250 average with 35 home runs from Olsen. And you're guaranteed to get a ton of run and RBI opportunity as well in Atlanta. So I'm not down on him per se. I think he's still got plenty of juice in the tank. You know, he'll be 29 around opening day. So he's still in the prime of his career. And I think he's just going to be a really good bat. And if people discount him, then I'm fine taking the discount and I'll gladly buy back into him. So I think that, you know, because all the reasons that discussed, I think that he still deserves that fourth spot for Dynasty. Yeah, and I, I guess I still have him fifth, and I'm not really down on him at all. But I think me putting Vinny P over him, it's just, that's more a, a statement on Vinny P than it is on Metals. And I think I agree. He'll be fine. You know, maybe, you know, the average will be, you know, a bit fluctuant like it always has. But end of the day, usually the average doesn't kill you. That 195 came in the short in 2020 years, so take that with a grain of salt. The, you know, 240, 250, 260 in that general range, 35-plus home runs in a great lineup. So, yeah, I think you'll be very, very good in three categories. You know, probably doesn't kill you in the fourth. Obviously, it doesn't provide any steals, but I think that just shows more that I just, I freaking love Vinny P, man. Like, I am like all the chips are being pushed in for me on Vinny P here. Like he was one of the best hitters in baseball over the last like two, three months after, you know, the getting addicted to major league pitching. You know, he wasn't even bad. Like the surface stats were kind of bad, but the metrics were still very good. And then, you know, it, he it clicked. He took off. It was one of the best hitters in baseball down the stretch. Again, a guy that's not going to provide any steals, but I think this is a, and I don't even want to say the word pencil in, I think you take a take a damn sharpie and write him in for a two eighty plus average, and the hard hit rate forty seven percent. He had more walks and strikeouts as a rookie in the major leagues. That is so freaking rare, especially for a guy that's not like a little slap dink and dunk hitter. This is a power hitter as well. Have that type of approach already in the major leagues. Doesn't chase much at all. Doesn't whiff much at all. You know, zone contact already over 90%. Whiff rate was 15%. It's just like, chase contact was even 70%. That's insane. Like, I could go on for on and on, but I just think the floor is so freaking high already with him, which is kind of funny to say as a guy with 290 player appearances, but I think he's going you know, like 290 plus. I think he's still going to get right around 30 home runs this year. You know, 80 plus runs and 80 plus RBI. So, Given the age and all that, that's why I have him fourth. But I'm I'm gonna shut up and let Chris talk. I mean, I I like Vinny P a lot, but I'm just not that aggressive on him yet. I think that overall, he still falls into the like 80, 70 range for Dynasty for me, and I'm just not that confident about the home run power. I'm confident in his ability to hit for average, make elite contact, and even hit the ball hard, but Honestly, I just don't love the fact that he plays in you know Kaufman, where it's just not yes, a good hitter's park for home runs, especially. And interestingly enough, I mean, 
majority of his home runs did actually come at home. He's a much better hitter at home. So as I say that, like, you look at this and say, okay, like, well, then where's the disconnect? Like, why didn't we see him get to more home run power considering how hard he hit the ball? And, yeah, I mean, he had 300 plate appearances right at 298. And you just almost expect, like, for someone that hit the ball as hard as that, you expect more than 10 because, like, yeah, that bumps to 20 over 600, which is not all that great. So for someone that especially hits the ball like he does, I mean, he put a ton of balls in play for one and two, hitting them hard. So there's a disconnect somewhere, and I've yet to kind of figure that out. And maybe that's just something I need to set aside and realize like he, he can. And if I can't find the disconnect, then there's a reason for that, and he's still going to be good. I don't know. That's why I've struggled with him. No, that's fair. And, you know, looking at month by month, he really – the power outage really kind of came. He he hit five home runs in August and 79 plate appearances with a 600 slug and a 271 ISO. And then even though he was still hitting for average on the stretch in in September and October, which was a combined 98 plate appearances, he only hit two there. So, but he, but he hit like you know over 350 in those months combined. So yeah, I don't I don't know. Yeah, again, you know, 20 is still pretty solid, obviously, but. I do think there's there's definitely some growth. Obviously, Coffin doesn't help. I think he could be 35 if he was in, you know, a good hit. Okay, put him in Yankee Stadium. That'd be great. That, I'm not saying he'd be 40 or anything like that, but Coffin is, you know, kind of an issue. Though it did, I don't think it's quite as bad on lefties as his righties from the looks of it. But yeah, not great for Coffin. But yeah, I'm just so enamored with just the high level of safety with him, given that approach, how hard he hits the ball. And the contact skills. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going all in. Like, I am definitely being aggressive. As I think he has the profile to, to back that up. But we'll see. But this three, this four, five, six, very fun. Obviously, in Goldschmidt, you know, he, he's the probably the best. Absolutely, is the best current player on this list, given what he did, you know, over his career and in last year. But obviously, is the oldest one of this trio. So, you know, that's why I have him six. But you know. I could see having him fifth or fourth, and I won't have any issue with that. Then we both got Vaughn and Nathaniel Lowe, seven, eight. You know, we, we talked about it with, you know, with Vaughn going back to first base, which is obviously has been his natural position. I think he's definitely going to take off. I think he's still a top 100 guy. And if you can get him for a discount right now, 100% try to do so because I think definitely his actual value right now is higher than his perceived value. Profile is still very good. I think he can be, you know, like 90% of what Vinny P is and still be a very, very good you know, top 100 guy year in, year out. So, yeah, Andrew Vaughn is a definite buy for me right now. Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty easy buy. And I think probably one of the better buys in Dynasty at first base position, at least. Yeah. I mean, just looking at there's the top names and then your, your young guys. I mean, Vinny P's value is already taken off. You're not buying low on him. And Vaughn's kind of that next guy that could take that step forward because of his profile has a lot of what you want to see. I mean, I think he's going to get to more power. He hit for good average this year. He's going to be playing his natural position, which can only help him. He doesn't have you know, a manager that you know, doesn't care about young players anymore. There's a lot <laughs> of stuff in here that I just really like. And the, you know, the contact, the zone contact, not far behind Vinny P's, which is is encouraging for sure. So I'm definitely buying Andrew Vaughn where's possible, and and I think that his value will move up pretty significantly this year. Yep, definitely agree. All right, let's go 11 through 20 here, Chris. Who you got? All right, so number 11 is Spencer Torkelson. Which, gosh, that was a a fun to rank, man. I tell you, yeah, um, <laughs> absolutely, dude. I'm sure we'll talk about him a little bit, but oh, Reese sure. Hoskins at 12, then Tristan Casas, Jose Abreu, Ty France, Josh Bell, Rowdy Telez, CJ Crone, Matt Mervis. Who, honestly, like I could bump Matt Mervis up to 11 and probably feel okay at this point, and then Alex Kirilov at 20. So let's see, my 11 to 20. So I left off with Tristan Casas at. 10, I go CJ Crone, 
Reese Hoskins, Ryan Mountcastle, which I'm looking at that. I'm not sure if I like that anymore. I might bump him down. Christian Walker, Ty France. So we, we, we both have France at 15. Look at that. Torque at 16. Abreu, Kirilov, Telez, Manzardo at 20 for me. That's just like, it's a massive glut for me. Like you have Manzardo at nine. I, you know, obviously yours OBP. So I guess in a little bump there too. Like I can 100% see that. It's just a massive glut in here. I guess it depends on, you know, there's a good mix of players here too. There's some young guys, some, you know, established like late 20s guys, as, you know, the older guy with Jose Abreu, some, you know, a resurgent Christian Walker, at least for me. I know you don't have him quite yet. But yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, you know, and, and you know, CJ Crone too. It's a really weird, you know, the team construct very much factors into this part of the rankings, I think. So now let's, let's get into Torkelson here. You had him 11. I had him 16. Obviously, not the greatest park. And overall, numbers have been great. But Chris, he did, you know, pick up the pace a little bit end of the season that I think that might have flown under the radar a bit. Yeah, and he did, and I think that's a notable. I don't know what it means for him, honestly. And, yeah, I'm just struggling with where to, how to evaluate him. But when he returned on September 2nd, he slashed just 219, 292, 385, but he cut his K rate, he cut his chase rate. He had a 93-mile-an-hour average EV. He had a 12.3% barrel rate and a 50% hard hit rate. Over that time, only nine hitters had a higher average EV, so that's pretty encouraging as well for him. But it like just didn't translate into results, which is the question. Like, What, what was the disconnect or like what, what happened there? So I don't know what torque we'll see. But we know that he's capable of hitting the ball hard. We've seen that in the minors. We've seen him, you know, have decent contact skills as well and not chase a ton, but that's kind of what we saw of him this year. It's just a lot of chase. And you have to wonder, like, can he get back to who he was? Like, maybe he's just getting back to the basics. And I don't know. I think the a value should be a, adjusted a bit. Like, your expectation levels should probably be adjusted too. Because who who do we see? Like, what does he end up becoming? What is the park? How does the park limit him to? Which I think limits these hitters in Detroit more than than we think. So yeah, I'm struggling. The upside's there to an extent, but who is the real Spencer Torkelson? I think we'll find out more this year. Will the real Torkelson please stand up? I mean, no, seriously, what would yeah. you? Because I think we'd all love to know, not just Chris and I, like everybody listening, everybody out there, all the Detroit Tigers fans. Like, what do you get from Torque? And I think ultimately you need to kind of, you know, split the middle here. Like, obviously, you need to adjust expectations from what we thought he could be when he was kind of initially drafted coming up through being one of the top prospects in baseball, top 10 on a lot of lists. Got to adjust that. But obviously, he wasn't as bad as last year. Chris rattled off the metrics to end the season. I still think there's a solid bat there. I think if Andrew Vaughn is, you know, slightly lesser Vinny P, I think Tork could be a slightly lesser Vaughn. You know, I think he's, you know, maybe what, 260? I think 260.25 is still reasonable. Do you think that's fair, Chris? Yeah, I think that's that's what we hope he gets back to this year. And I think that that, that player would return good value. That player probably puts, he probably settled in as maybe not top 10, but, you know, like 11 to 15 range year in, year out. This position kind of like a back-end starter or, you know, high-end, you know, corner infield bat. So I would love it if he was in any other park. You know, obviously, plays as one of the worst, you know, power parks in baseball right down there with, you know, Kaufman and whatnot. So not great. And I kind of wonder how much power green gets to, because I think he has a little bit less rock power than torque, but we'll see. I don't know. But yeah, I think right now he's definitely a buy, but at the same time, don't buy and expect him to be you know, jumping up to, you know, Vaughn, you know, Pasquantino levels any, anytime soon, but definitely still a, a good buy overall in dynasty leagues here. I think another good buy 
is Ty France, who we both have at 15. He was battling an injury last year. What was it? I got to pull that up. What was that injury he was battling last year, Chris? Do you recall? I think it was a little off the top of my head. Well, regardless, he was battling an injury, and he obviously started the season really hot. You look at, he had 337, five bombs in April, 355 with only two home runs, but still well over 300 first two months of the year. Then the rest of the season, while well, he was still hitting, you know, three, four home runs a month, the average kind of took a dive and only hit 176 in August. So really kind of struggled in the second half of the season. But still overall, you look at the numbers here, he hit 20 home runs, 83 RBI, 274 average. Doesn't provide any speed. He's never stolen a bag, probably never will. But look at, he's, you know, a solid enough bat in a improving Seattle lineup definitely on the rise so I think his perceived value has dropped a little bit too far I'm not saying he's gonna be a beast because the metrics don't like hint at that but I think he's a solid enough bat the approach is pretty good where I think you know he can kind of stick as a you know 280 20 home run type but I think the value has fallen a bit further than that so I think he's a sneaky buy right now as well yeah he could be and I think that that's the larger issue is that people are still like factoring in the second half with the injury, and it was a wrist injury, which does have some yeah. serious effects. So there you go. Yep. that that affects hitters a good bit. So there was a big drop off first to second half. The power was surprisingly still there, but the average just really tanked. And I I would expect that he has a pretty strong bounce back. If I had to guess, just looking at the profile, like I I really like, and this is a range where I'd love to try to acquire somebody like a Ty France. If you need a, a solid, you know, corner infielder type, he kind of fits that mold because you look at the profile and first and second half is not that dissimilar. The results just weren't there and he was coming off an injury. So I think we can expect a solid bounce back. And, you know, what kind of numbers could we expect from him? That's the tough thing to gauge, but I'd I'd say twenty plus home runs, twenty twenty five home runs and I mean, probably a 270-plus average, which I think is pretty solid. And he's still, I mean, he's 28 years old. He's still fairly young. I think there's some good value to be had. You look, in the last two years, zone contact rates of north of 92%. That's elite. Yep. That's the super elite. So I like Ty France a lot. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think he's definitely a good buy right now. You know, Another one in this kind of range here, Alex Karloff. I know he he played outfield too. Who knows where he ends up? They have so many outfielders and first base types. Rossa Resource, for what it's worth, has him at DH. I don't know. I, I think that's still to be determined, but I still think that there's a decent chance he does you know, keep this eligibility for, for a bit now. And I don't know. He's a, I still really like Karloff. I think there's a lot of talent. What of natural talent in that bat. I think he's, you know, one of the better pure hitters at this position. But, you know, the wrist injuries, multiple wrist injuries are very concerning. And, you know, we were just t- talking about how wrist injuries affected by France. I think, you know, there was always him to have a way of lingering, reoccurring, you know, limiting. Not great words. But I don't know. I, where's the power end up because of that? He's got, you know, Healthy Karloff could be 25 home runs, you know, mid 20s, maybe you know upper 20s at peak. But does can he get there? I, I I don't have any problems with the average, any with the average right now. But where does he get? You know, with the power department, that's really going to be the X factor of is he more of a just corner infield type, or does he kind of get up near that top 10 soon? That, but where are you at on on Karloff now? I think there's still a potential, and I think people have written him off completely, but. We saw what he did in a small AAA sample last year. He just oh, he, absolutely dominated. Like, he murdered the ball. Absolutely yeah. murdered the ball. Yeah. Hit the ball extremely hard, and the results were there. I mean, he had 359 average, 465 OBP, 10 home runs. Yeah, small sample, but 157 plate appearances. Still what you like to see there. I think there's still a solid major league hitter in this profile. You look and this year in the majors, his ground ball rate was just way too high at, at 56%. Like, 
way too high. Still made good contact, just hit the ball on the ground too much, and that just ultimately killed his home run to fly ball rate. So he didn't get the home run power that we thought he could, and also, you know, didn't walk. But that's not who he's been. So I, I think the OBP kind of trends up. I think the bang average trends up. I do think there's a a really solid hitter in this profile. I think there's plus hit potential. And I think there's plus power potential as well. He just has to get healthy and actually put it all together at the end of the day. Yeah. I think he's a great buy because, like I said, I think his value has fallen a lot further than it should. But, you know, there's actually a, you know, a lot of good buys at this position right now. A couple of sells, but, you know, Ty France is a good buy. Tor, Kirilov, you know, a couple others too. So some good buys are here. But let's go ahead and then get to the last 10 of our rankings to round up the show. Chris, who you got 21 through 30? All right, so we'll round out with Cronenworth. Josh Naylor. I, mean, I think Josh Naylor's going to take a jump this year, just random note, but Christian Walker, Ryan Mountcastle, Tyler Soderstrom, Anthony Rizzo, DJ LeMayhew, Trey Mancini, Christian Encarnacion Strand, and Juan Yepes to round it out. Yeah, I echo that. Okay, let me before we get to Naylor, let me get to, so before we go on that tangent, let me go 21 to 30 for me. Matt Mervis, Josh Bell, Alec Bohm, Jake Cronenworth, DJ LeMahieu, Anthony Rizzo, Christian Encarnacion Strand, Trey Mancini, Juan Yepes, and then Josh Naylor at 30. So I have a little bit him a little bit lower, but this is another big cluster for me. So I definitely agree on Josh Naylor. I just do they platoon him? I don't know. They they brought in Josh Bell. You know, obviously, this is D. There's just a lot of mouths to feed there. They're trying to fit, you know, like Will Brennan into the outfield. I just, the Josh Bell, lots, it was a solid signing, I think, because it wasn't a lot of money. So it, it, it made sense, but just the, the fantasy ramifications of it, I'm like, all right, what does this mean for Naylor? I hope not. Maybe Bell just DHs. I don't know, but the talent with Naylor is definitely there. Obviously, he's a fun player doing the the rock the baby thing that you know caught a lot of backlash. But yeah, I like Naylor a good amount too. But and you have him even higher than I do. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be interesting to see what they end up deciding to do with him. But if they let him just kind of run with, you know, playing pretty much every day, I think there's plenty of upside here for somebody who hits the ball really hard. He you know doesn't swing and miss often. Makes solid enough contact where I think he'll be really successful, honestly. And, you know, what does that look like? Not quite sure, but I think there's, you know, better average than we saw last year and more power than we saw last year still in this profile. So I, I really like what Naylor can do. So he's one that could make a jump for me. Yeah. I, I hope they give him the everyday, you know, plate appearances because, yeah, that, that bat can be pretty solid. You know, that Cleveland lineup in general, obviously, you know, Joe Ram leading the way. But then, like, after him, it's like nobody else, like, 100% stands out as, like, the number two guy. But they just have that lineup top to, well, top to, like, seven. The last two, not so much, with Zunino and Straw. But hopefully they get Naylor up there at some point. And they still got Will Brennan to turn to fit in, but Straw's defense obviously brings a lot of value to the table. But that's a pretty solid lineup, one through seven. You know, look at something like Quan. Rosario, Joe Ram, Bell, Jimenez, Naylor, Oscar Gonzalez. That's that, that's the order they have in roster resource. Who knows how it plays out? But and then again, they have Will Brennan as well. Bo Naylor got just put Brennan in center, and then Naylor a catcher. That's a really good lineup one through nine. It's obviously, the pitching as well. So I think Cleveland's here to stay for the foreseeable future as a you know postseason caliber team. But one name I wanted to get into here that I was surprised when I dug into him more recently, I was surprised at the metrics that I saw. And this is a guy that I've never really been that high on. I've never been low on him either, but I, I, just never, I think I was a bit lower than most on him. But Ryan Mountcastle had some pretty good metrics this past year. You know, the, the approach kind of has been staying in line. He had a 25% K rate, 7% walk rate. That's pretty basically where his career marks are. but the quality of contact, you know, has been trending up every year. Like this past year, he had a 15% barrel rate, 46.3% hard hit rate, 277 XBA, 509 X slug, both in the top 10% of baseball there. 
91.3 average exit below. So that kind of surprised me. I knew he had solid power, but I would never have guessed a 15% barrel rate and, you know, top 10% in XBA and X slug. And this is even after moving the left field wall out and up in at Camden Yards. So I was kind of surprised that, you know, maybe, and he had 22 home runs, 85 RBIs, hit 250. That's probably what his average was. I mean, maybe a little bit more. I think 260, 265 is possible. I mean, 277 XBA. So I think there's potential there. Maybe you see like a 270, 25 to 30 home run guy and moving up my rankings even further. So Mountain was one that actually surprised me when I dug into him, Chris. Yeah, it seems like he just tends to stay flying under the radar like pretty consistently and even like to a fault for me as well. And you mentioned the fences, and that's probably why the home run output wasn't there, despite the yeah how hard he hit the ball. His home run to fly ball rate dropped from twenty point four percent to thirteen point three percent from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two. He chases a lot, he k's a lot, he whiffs a lot, but yeah, that's, that's the downfall. That's probably what's limit him in that batting average department a bit too. Yeah, but it's it's quite an interesting profile, I think, where there is definitely some intrigue where he could be a late buy at first base or a good dynasty buy at that yeah and i was kind of curious like looking at his spray chart like did he lose you know how many home runs did he lose based on the the fence change so it's like three i'm seeing three well oh no, sorry i only have it as, as hits i gotta put the outs there too yeah some he had three doubles that were, looks like they were wall shots that probably would have got outside. At least three more. I got, I got to switch it over to having all batted balls, not just his hits. So you, you figured he probably had at least a lot of long fly ball outs out there too. Yeah, I think so. And that's what I've got on the Illustrator. Looking at just his home games, it looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Maybe nine that he lost to left field. Jeez, yeah. Uh, that's that's interesting. Man, he had some oppo as well that were just like Yeah. So he wasn't like and you know, the the batted ball profile just in general is pretty solid. Like pull thirty two percent, straight thirty seven percent, oppo thirty percent. So, you know, pretty solid. And look at you know, on, on Savant how they have the similar batters based on the batted ball profile. Three of the three of the five are Dansby Swanson from 2021, Jazz Chisholm from last year, and Adelis Garcia. So the other two are Eduardo Escobar and Pedro Severino, which I don't I don't understand. But three pretty good names on there too. So yeah. he's a guy that it, it made me open my eyes a little bit, to be honest with you. Because I've never been like a huge Mount Castle guy, but he really, you know, those are some impressive metrics. So I'm I think I'm buying him right now in Dynasty Leagues. Yeah, I think I'm gonna move him up a little bit because that's interesting looking at that even just the spray chart and seeing the home runs yep. lost and did he had a lot of long fly ball outs to left and or sorry to right and to right center like oppo shots like yeah i'm kind of intrigued a little bit here right the, it's like i i wasn't i was like all right he's fine he's man he's like a corner infield option but he's probably still a corner infield option he's not starting first baseman by any means but yeah it's, i definitely you know like him more now than I did, let's say, two months ago after really having a chance to dig into this profile. Is like I said, there's a lot of impressive things there that I didn't expect to be that good when I when I dug in. So yeah, yeah. he doesn't struggle against one specific pitch type either. Like you know, he had 240 batting average against fastballs, which I guess you could say is struggling. 260 against breaking and 266 against off speed. So I like to see well roundedness like that, and you're able to hit all pitch types. That's yep. That's pretty important. He's just got to not chase as much. Like the chase rate is the the issue. It's trended down half a percentage points every year since 2020. <laughs> his his zone all improvements. Right. His own contact improved from 2021 to 2022. And so did the contact rate. So maybe he can make another small improvement again this year. And he hits 260 with 28 home runs. And I don't think that's out of the equation here for Mount Castle, who, by the way, is just 25 years old. <laughs> Like yeah, he's he's still fairly young, so that's a that's interesting, man. I'm I'm kind of digging him a little more than I than I was. Right, that's like that's my reaction exactly. I was like, yeah, this is this is pretty fun, pretty fun profiles. 
Man, can they can they move? Can they undo the the move they did? They move that yeah. fence back in and lower the wall was could be thirty plus home runs there. And I think we all kind of knew the power was there, but it, the power's even ticked up even more than I think many of us thought. So yeah, definitely a fun profile. And like the rest of this range is, you know, it's really you know team need specific and contention window. We get the older guys like Rizzo and get some of the younger prospects that we already talked about earlier in the show. This is actually a pretty fun range. That's actually more fun than I thought it would be when we get into it. But that is going to wrap up the first base position. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. And again, this episode, we hope you enjoyed it. We will be back later on this week with second base, which is a up and coming position as well. Until then, you can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm at EricCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ. Over on our Patreon, Pitcher List for Chris, FTN for me. And of course, check out our YouTube as well. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. following is an actor portrayal with kindly assisted living and memory care at asbury methodist village in montgomery county you can anticipate more but don't take our word for it my dad moved to kindly and loved it his apartment was spacious sunny and overlooked parkland it was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at kindly enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services too visit kindly at asbury.org today equal opportunity housing provider